Welcome to Live, Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship, a podcast that showcases the talents, skills, and abilities of UT faculty, staff, and students. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in Housing and Dining, and we're excited to have you listening to us. Welcome, everybody, to the Leadership Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship Podcast, also known as Live. I am your co-host, Dr. Brandon W. Jones, and I serve as the Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in Housing and Dining at the University of Texas at Austin. And you may have just heard me say something that you've never heard me say before in the 21 previous episodes of this show. I just said I am your co-host. Y'all know what that means? That means that we now have a new co-host that's going to be on the show with us every week from now on. Why don't you take a second to introduce yourself to everybody? Oh, man, this is so exciting. Hey, guys, my name is Etanosa Obebwin, and I will be your co-host on the live podcast. And I serve as a community coordinator with the University of Apartments out in Brackenridge Apartments. So I'm excited to be here with y'all and to join the podcast. I have been listening and this is where it's at. Okay. This podcast (laughs) is the real deal. So excited to be here. Listen, y'all may remember that Etanosa was the guest on the last episode of the podcast, on episode 21. And you may have noticed there's been a little bit of distance in time since that last episode. And we're going to spend some time talking about all the stuff that's transpired since then. But what we're also going to talk about is summer. Because I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but it's June and summer is in full effect. Okay. It's in full effect. And so we want to talk about orientation, summer vacations, vaccinations, and all that good stuff. So, Etanosa, you ready to talk to the people? I'm always ready to talk to the people, even if I'm not really talking to the people. They can hear me, so I'm talking to (laughs) y'all. Right, right, right. Well, listen, so let's start with, first of all, that episode was recorded, like, what, April? No, May. I think it was May. I hope so, because the thing about it is so much has happened, like in in higher education and in education across the country, right? There's graduation season, there's final exams. Then for those of us that work in housing, you got to close your residence halls. And for the folks in apartments, you got people graduating, right? And leaving and turning in, not resigning their leases. And then you got people moving. So there's this constant ebb and flow. And that's why we haven't been able to get some episodes and content out to you all because we've been in the process of trying to update the show and make a couple of changes, but that's okay. We got the summer school version of live coming. And yes. so you, you, you're you going to get all the feelings and feels and thoughts, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot going on, hasn't it? It really has. I said it has really been nonstop. I think this is the first week in the last couple of weeks that I feel like I can actually breathe that I was like, wow, My calendar is not full to the brim. I am not tired on Friday, which is crazy to me, Mm -hmm. but it has been super exciting. I think it's like definitely a place of transition. You get really emotional towards the end, but you're excited for those people because they're like graduating and moving on and doing just new and exciting things. And you just think to yourself, like, when is my break going to come? When is my break going to come? 
So what about those people that you might encounter? Because most higher education professionals, definitely within student affairs, run into this all the time, especially if you're not faculty. But people will come up to you and say, mm-hmm. oh, well, summer's here. So you got two months off. And I'm like, who? Who has two months off? Do you encounter that? Have you encountered that in your career? I do. I really do. And I honestly transitioning into this field, I was like, wait, I don't have two months off because I did. I was a college counselor. So I was in a high school. You know, I had the two months off. But honestly, the summer for us is like a catch up. It's like so needed to Mm -hmm. catch up and get prepared for the next academic school year. I miss those two months off. I really do. (laughs) It's funny to me because people at church or my friends in the community and even my own family members at times, nobody in my household at least, but some of my immediate family members, like my mom and my sister, uncles are like, hey, so it's summertime. So you got two months off so you can come back home and, you know, do all this cool stuff. And I'm like, No, that's not how it works. This is higher education. So as a result, there are a lot of things going on on the college campus that I work at. It does the work doesn't stop because when graduation happens, we got to close the residence halls. After we close the residence halls, we got to get them ready for the people staying with us during summer school and Pre-COVID, we were getting ready for conferences, and I'm pretty sure next summer, God willing, we'll be able to get back to that. But, you know, it's always working. And then we're wrapping up doing reports and documentation, and then we're getting things going for orientation because we do play a significant role in the life of our students who are getting acclimated to the university setting. And so it's nonstop. We take breaks where we can, but ain't no vacation like that. Ain't no two months off. And even in K through 12, those teachers that are quote unquote off for two months, they're not really off either. And so I don't want anybody to make the mistake of thinking that our teachers are just living their best life on the beaches during that two months. They still grading. They still getting things, lesson plans together for the fall. They're getting classrooms together. They're buying materials. The work doesn't really stop if you're an educator. Don't you think so? It doesn't. It's really a nonstop type of job career. And I think that's the misconception. I'm like, it's nonstop. Once things end for like the students, I go into a mode that's like, all right, what can I do better? I think Mm -hmm. it's a reflection time. Like it's its own little mini school year over the summer, to be honest. Like it just might look a little different. We don't have as many students or whatever, but yeah, it's like its own mini school year where you're just like, oh, I got the summer, the conferences, the lesson plans, the all the stuff so that next year can be fire. So mm-hmm. that people are like, oh, you heard our feedback and you improved. I'm like, it's all about improving, especially in higher education. I feel like we're always pivoting to make sure that the experience for our students is grade A. That's a word. I'm going to be honest with you. Pivot. For those of you Mm -hmm. listening out there, especially if you work in higher education and specifically here at UT, that's a word I'm hoping we can retire because all of 2020 was pivot, 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 pivot. Everything was pivot. Everything was new normal. Everything was, gosh, adjusting to new normal. And then now the language is, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, the language was uh, return to work. And it's like, did nobody stop working? Like, why are we still talking about that? But (laughs) talk to me about your thoughts around just this nature of, of constantly being in a state of pivot. What were your feelings from March of 2020 until we wrapped up the semester the other day when we closed the halls on May 19th? 
Wow. I feel like I have a lot of feelings. Like one of my strengths is being adaptable. I'm a really go with the flow person. I said, you said you want to do this. We doing that. Cool, cool, cool kind of thing. So I wasn't too stressed about all the pivoting. I do think I was stressed with a lot of like the policies changing, right? Like, and I was just like, how am I supposed to keep up? What applies to me? What applies to these students and stuff like that? So I think there was a sense of confusion, but trying to just like trust. I think trust was the biggest thing that I had to to just like be like, well, I'll, I'll, y'all told me to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to voice my opinion. But at the end of the day, if y'all want to make that decision, that's what we're going to go with. And we just going to keep riding. So the whole pivoting thing for the last year. And mind you, that last year was my first year at UT. Oh, my goodness. So I really, I really hit the ground running and they were like, just kidding, just kidding. We're changing things up. So I, I personally haven't had a real year at UT. Hmm. Um, so I, I just went with the flow. It was definitely challenging to say the least, but I think it was kind of fun. I mean, not the pandemic, but right. definitely just the fact that you had to learn these skills of being adaptable and just, you know, trusting that someone's making the right decision for the greater good. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's interesting because what your perspective being new to the university kind of mirrored our freshman, our freshman class that came in during the fall of 2019. You came in what, January? You started in January of 2020, right? So for you, you started in the second semester of, of what would have been that 2019 classes freshman year and then so your adjustment to work life in this environment was impacted just like those students talk about some of the personal I wouldn't say the personal but just some of the challenges you might have encountered because there's going to be students that are going to be returning to campus for the first time since they left in March of last year kind of talk about some of the things that you learned this past year and what things you're going to bring in with you coming back because I think that that might be helpful for staff that are returning to offices too because there's a lot of our colleagues that are returning to work. What are some lessons you learned in the face of those challenges that you're going to be bringing with you going into this upcoming academic year? Oh, wow. What did I learn? I think one of the biggest things I learned is I have to problem solve myself a lot of the time, right? Like I think all the resources are there, but especially where I work, our offices are very close. I could just be like, Hey, like, how do I do this? Or where now, like being at home, like I was just like, let me take like two or three more minutes to like problem solve kind of thing and figure it out. And if all else fails, of course my coworkers are there. I can hit them up on teams or a phone call or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing that's going to be super helpful coming back into the office where it's like, I feel like I'm going to be able to accomplish a lot more because I have these really strong problem solving skills. I'm like, all right. Or you figure out like, this needs to be more efficient. Like, I think what we learned or what I learned was like, there are some processes that we have that it just takes too many people to complete a task Mm -hmm. or there's just too many like paper trails and stuff like that. And it's just like, but if this was online, I could be anywhere or I wouldn't have to rely so heavily on my coworkers or my supervisor to get this done. So that's another thing that I learned, like just creating like efficient processes that like it's clear communication. Everyone knows kind of like what their place is and what they're supposed to do. I think also just communicating very clearly with people. Like there was, I did a lot of typing. I did a (laughs) lot of typing on teams, a lot of like, Hey, this is my question kind of thing. And really sitting back and being like, I want, I want the specific question answered. 
I don't need the fluff right now. I just want this. So that's another thing I think it's going to really help when we either go back into the office or transition to a hybrid model or whatever. And I think the last thing it was like, I think you have to be intentional about getting to know people or building a connection with someone. And even though like, I'd like to think I'm a, um, ambivalent, not ambivalent, but the between extrovert and introvert, like there are days I love people and there are days I want to sit at home by myself. But I think you have to be intentional about the downtime when it comes to just like talking with people. Like you miss the interpersonal connections with people you may not, I guess, are not that useful to your position. That sounds harsh, but Sometimes it's just like, I talked to somebody in, I think on your team for like an hour about dogs mm-hmm. and I loved it. I loved it. And I was like, I don't think I would have had the chance if I didn't just lean into this like relationship. Like I'm going to take this like awkward silence on a zoom call and just be like, so mm-hmm. your dog, yeah. how is that? So those are things I'm going to take back to the office when this pandemic goes away. I think that, you know, as we're transitioning back to campus, the thing that I know that I definitely will be bringing back, you hinted at this a second ago, but it was leveraging those existing technologies that we have. Mm-hmm. We've had Zoom on college campuses for years. Yeah. I used it for trainings. I used it to do meetings with people in previous roles that I had prior to coming to UT. I leveraged it a couple of times prior to the pandemic, but definitely Definitely. We relied on it more than anything else. Once March yeah. of 2020 happened, we we had to start utilizing Zoom and Teams. And for me, the thing that I found useful is, you know, UT is a big place. So for those of you coming to orientation in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about that later in the episode, too. But for those of you coming for orientation, you're going to see this is a big place. There was a time prior to the pandemic You're walking from meeting to meeting. You got to make sure you build in that 15 minute lead time to walk from one side of campus to the other and getting some water in, especially dealing with this Texas heat and all this rain that we're dealing with right now, which I'm thankful for. We've been needing it because allergy season. Okay. Yes. Um, But when I think about (laughs) listen, allergy season is real, folks. If you've never dealt with cedar or mold or mesquite and you're not from Texas, listen, get ready because I left Texas for a couple of years and I've come back and I didn't have allergies before I left Texas. I have horrible allergies now. So just putting in a not a sponsorship or an ad for Claritin or nothing like that, but get ready for allergies. So tangent over. <laughs> um, but yeah, leveraging those existing technologies is going to be important because for me, knowing that I don't have to walk to every meeting anymore, I now can go from one meeting to another with I don't need 15 minutes. Now, I will say I do like that 15 minute window still to decompress, to catch my breath, to refresh my coffee, to let the dog outside if I'm working from home that day, because now we've shown that we can be just as productive at home or in a different setting than previously. And so I plan on leveraging and continuing to leverage those those technologies to better serve our students and to make a difference in the day-to-day experience for my staff. And so if it can be a Teams meeting, it's going to be a Teams meeting. If it needs to be in person, we'll plan that out as far in advance as possible. And if it can be an email or we work on the document together in 
UT Box or Dropbox or something like that. I'm going to do it because that technology is available. And for the last 16, 17 months, we've learned how to really make those decisions, how to make those things happen. And you know, not serve on as many committees, at least I have learned how to not serve on so many committees or all these other different things where we can complete a task just by sending an email out and saying, hey, Brandon, you do you're in student learning and development. We need you to look at the assessment activity for this document. We need you to plug in your thoughts and figures and feelings and all that good stuff. OK, we can do that. We didn't need to come together to have that conversation. It was an email where we would need to come together. Let's think some things through. But yeah, the technology piece is going to be important. I think the other thing that I want to bring in is I want to normalize working from home. Now, I'm not saying that everybody every day is going to work at the crib. I ain't saying, right? I'm not not saying that that it's going to be like all the time. But you remember in previous years, work from home was this nebulous, this bureaucratically intrusive process that required you to fill out paperwork and forms and document hours. It was so cumbersome. Uh, And and I'm not speaking specifically here at UT, but I'm just thinking about since I've been in higher ed since 2006, uh, when I I finished undergrad, I've been working in, so that's 15 years now. Goodness, I have to pause and think about that. I've been working in higher ed 15 years. Wow. Uh, (laughs) But when I think about that, I'm thinking about how a work from home request was so frightening to supervisors at one point. And it was like, well, that's not something we yes. can support because we can't do that. There's no way to do X, Y, and Z. And for 16 months, we've proven not only can we do it, we've been running the United States and the world. We've been running major corporations and major businesses yes. and accomplishing significant feats from a distance, from a computer, and we found ways to make it work. So I plan to use the technology and I plan to normalize working from home to engage with students and to do things like this podcast. We are not in the studio recording this, folks. Actually, we're testing out a new software platform, Zencaster, uh, at the suggestion of our friends in the Liberal Arts Instructional Technology Studio, who normally does our podcast recording. They suggested this new platform. So we're trying it out. And if it don't work, you can blame them. I'm just kidding. Nah, shout out to Jacob uh, and his team. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on the normalizing, um, you know, working from home, the technology, less meetings, let's be efficient. What, what are your thoughts on that? Listen, 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 listen. I'm a huge advocate for working from home. Like, I just like the fact, like you said, like, I can take out my dog. I really have learned to enjoy my dog a lot more mm-hmm. being at home. I can take him out. I can go to the bathroom real quick. I don't have to, like, I can still, like, be put together. I get to determine my life. Like, I feel like there's a sense of, like, autonomy that, that says, like, you know exactly what work I need to get done and I get to prioritize it without feeling, and this is just a personality thing without feeling like maybe someone's over my shoulder, like, hello, like, did you do this? Did you do that kind of thing? I'm like, I did it. Like, you know what I mean? Like I did it at a pace that I knew was like feasible for me. I really enjoy it. I do think like having a schedule, I mean, I'm a huge thing. Like when I know I have a lot of work, I go to the office. I'm going to need the two screens. I'm going to need the standing desk. I'm going to need the four walls of like an office to get all this stuff done. So I'm a huge advocate for work from home. I definitely felt like I got a lot of stuff accomplished still 
And I didn't feel drained. Like I felt actually very empowered to be like, wow, like you are taking the reins of your position and whatever kind of thing. So I'm, I'm here for it. I would love to see it. Do you feel like industries like higher education or education in general or others, do you feel like major industries are going to change or be required to change? I think they're going to be required to change. I have always kind of had this perception with higher education that it's really hard. Like we're kind of like a stick in the mud sometimes when it comes to change. Like we're just like, well, we've always done it like this and we haven't seen things that are bad. And I'm a huge advocate of like, I think every class that we get, every new freshman class that we get is an opportunity to be like, what do they like? You know what I mean? Like, how can we change and conform to things that like make them feel successful kind of thing. And if research is done from this pandemic on the student experience and they're seeing like, hey, like they don't need y'all to really be there Monday through Friday from nine to five kind of thing. They would love to jump on a Zoom call with y'all and still have that face-to-face experience, then so be it. But I think a lot of tech industries have already been like, yeah, y'all can do this in in Zimbabwe if you want, like, you know. So I do Mm -hmm. think higher ed is specifically is going to see all of the work that we've done here and be like, I think there's a balance of being on campus with our students and being at home mm-hmm. just to give a balance. I think a work-life balance is something that's really coming out of this because it's like, I can still live my life while working. It's not like I don't want to work when I'm right. at home. I just want to be able to grab some orange juice from my fridge while I work. Right. And I appreciate your perspective because, you know, as a pet owner and as a father of two, uh, a married father of two at that, my kids were home with me the whole time until January of this year. My kids were home. And so my wife and I split duty starting in the fall. We started to split the load and I'd go into the office two days a week. She'd stay home two days a week. And so we had a good, we had a pretty good split going there for a while. She worked from home starting around late March, early April of 2020. And so we were able to kind of navigate. One of us would be upstairs. One of us would be downstairs. And we just found a way to navigate all of us being in this confined space, doing work together. And it was challenging. I'm not going to lie. It was very challenging. But here's the thing I liked. 2019, I didn't get that much time with my kids because I'd be at the office. I'd be, you know, there'd be two to three days out of every week. I'm late because of, you know, my workshops that I did on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And so then I also had to deal with tutoring part time in the evenings as well, that particular fall 2019 semester. So I wasn't home very much. And so the pandemic did give me a chance to make up for some of that time I didn't have in fall of 19. I got a chance to get to know my kids Mm -hmm. differently and their learning styles. And my kids actually, according to their teachers, did very well in the virtual learning environment. I thought my daughter and my son, I thought they'd struggle, but they actually did very well because we found ways to keep them engaged and keep them involved. I know that that's not everybody's experience, but for us, it actually did work. It actually was very successful. Now, with that being said, I know that school districts are going to include asynchronous learning days now as part of the experience. There's at least once a month or so where I'm having to work from home because my kids are home. And the good part about it is, is that it's Mm self-paced. So my daughter doesn't have to start the class day at eight. She can wake up late, 
can get, you know, at 12 o'clock can decide, okay, I'm going to do my homework now. By one or two, she's done for the day. Same thing for my son. I actually like that. I didn't think I would like it, but it's actually been quite convenient because that's how they do attendance for that day. And I'm like, yo, you got till five o'clock to get checked in, get your homework done and they get it done. And I've loved it. And so I think that industries are going to have to change. And so for those students who are out there undecided on a major, or if you've got your mind made up that, you know, I'm going to be an engineer and this is the way engineering is always done. Newsflash, industries are going to have to rethink how they do the workday. And for and if we go to a post-pandemic recovery effort, which is what, uh, and we'll talk about that too in a second. I got that in my notes. If we go back into the fall semester, still just doing things because it's the way we always did it, I think we missed a major learning lesson. I think we missed a major point by ignoring that and just choosing to default back to what we quote unquote thought was working for us. Um, I really do think that it's very important for us to pay attention to those things that were working and go back and say, how can we keep some of these things? You know, because industries are going to have to change. I was on Twitter the other day, yesterday, matter of fact, and I've seen a lot of conversations on Twitter and LinkedIn where people are saying that they've turned down jobs recently because of the lack of flexibility with remote work. Because it's like, wait a minute, we we just spent 16 months proving it can be done. And then certain offices were like, you know, we can't, we can't. And it's a function where they just did it very well. So it's not like they can't, it's that they prefer not to in some instances. Now there are certain roles that you do need a person on the ground yes, handling. You I can't agree. run facilities remotely, right? You can't fix <laughs> pipes virtually. Um, yeah. You can't clean floors virtually. But we can virtually. do advising appointments remotely. We can do yeah. engagement opportunities virtually. We can do a hybrid combination. I mean, I, I just think that the industries are going to have to change. And I think that higher education, we should not be the last to the party on this. Colleges and universities, we should be leading this effort. I mean, don't you think so? I mean, yes. I think <laughs> higher education is all of our institutions are in a pit. I'm not going to say even pivot anymore. We are in a crucial <laughs> spot to just like, like you said, lead the innovation mm-hmm. to to do a nice hybrid model kind of thing and see how that works for our students. And I just think there's a lot of like big dreams. Like I'm always so in awe of like the generations after me, millennials, who cares? They dream so big and there's just like so many options in life kind of thing. And I was just like, I think this hybrid model allows people to just explore and to learn more. And like you were kind of mentioning about our students who may not know what their major is or their guns set on being an engineer and stuff like that. I was like, you get to explore in this stuff. Like you don't have to be in the constraints of like a classroom from nine to five kind of thing. Maybe some of your classes are online so that you can like work somewhere else or you can figure out what's best for you. Because I think when you're learning, just kind of like you mentioned with your kids, like you can have different learning styles, but I do think there's sometimes there's a restraint on how you're going to learn. Like the classroom is like, this is how we teach. This is how we learn. This is how we provide this information to you. And if you're not either getting it that way, then that's, that's on you as a student because you got to figure out how to gain this knowledge. But I think with the hybrid model, like there are going to be companies and there are going to be 
offices, even on campus that are like, hey, we can meet them right here. And they're still going to gain the full effect of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm here for it. Um, sign me up. Whoever has a petition for hybrid <laughs> model, I'll be the first one to sign. I th- And I, I appreciate UT because as a lecturer over in the College of Liberal Arts, I was given the option to do that. They were saying, hey, do you want to do hybrid instruction next year or do you want to do in-person? I opted for in-person because, mm-hmm. I, because you know, to do hybrid would have required a little bit of stretch on my part, my uh, co-instructor, right. Dr. Kirksey, uh, as well as the students. And I was kind of like, I miss in-person uh, and I can't wait to get back to seeing students face-to-face in the classroom environment. And so for me, I'm like, nah, I'm going to mm-hmm. opt out of the hybrid. With that being said, when I look at my syllabus, there are things that I can totally switch to virtual if I need to. If we look up and we realize, you know what? Right. For example, on Fridays, you know, students be like, man, you know, it'd be kind of nice to go and, you know, as you said yesterday <laughs> when we were prepping uh, to jet set on Friday. I'm like, yo, I may want to do that, too. So, you know what? Instead of coming to class on Friday, <laughs> that's going to be an experiential learning day. Go do X, Y, Z. Like I always left that option open. Uh, attendance is going to be yeah. counted. Participation yeah. will be counted if you go to this lecture instead of mine. If you go to this activity and write me a, yeah. a reflection or do something different for that particular class day. And I love the fact that that's why I continue to teach on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, because that gives me the option to read the room, number one, and then see what occurred over the weekend that mm-hmm. I might need to make an adjustment in my curriculum on on Monday. Friday comes around and I'm like, Man, it's homecoming weekend. Ain't nobody trying to listen to me for no hour at one o'clock on Friday. I'm standing between they trip to the beach or something. Nah, let me make this adjustment to the learning. And 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 I've gotten the best results because it's it, it, I've tried to mirror their experience. And so to that, while I'm not hybrid all yeah. the way, I do know how to pivot and make that adjustment. Right. And, and I said pivot. Uh, <laughs> I know how to make that adjustment. I know. The curriculum. I said, we're just yeah, it's five, five cents every time we say pivot. Right. Because you just said it again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So let's transition real quick because I got a couple of other things that I want us to uh, touch base on here. We and, and as y'all can see, y'all can see we hadn't had a chance to talk in a while. So we trying to make up for a little bit of lost time here. So uh, y'all hang out with us for a couple more seconds here. Well, minutes rather. Um, Let's talk about the language because we keep talking about pivot and all that other stuff. Uh, One of my, one of our colleagues, uh, Dr. David Surratt, he works at the uh, University of Oklahoma. Uh, And again, I know that I'm University of Texas and it's like, wait, what are you doing talking about Oklahoma? I know, but the lesson is the lesson is the lesson. And Dr. Surratt, is the vice president and dean of students uh, at the University of Oklahoma. And he put out a tweet on May uh, the 19th that I thought was very interesting. And I've bookmarked it and saved it because I want to share that. I want to share it with people. And one of the things that he said was to my colleagues and various university leaders, he said, please consider saying pandemic recovery work plans or schedule instead of, quote unquote, return to work. Everyone played their part, including those that worked remotely, as well as those that never left campuses. Nonetheless, work never left us. 
And I thought that was very interesting because you're hearing a lot of return to work conversations. You know, our governor is saying, you know, let's let's get back to work. Let's reopen. Let's um, do all of this return to normal, blah, 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 blah. And for so many of us, that language, if we're not careful, can be a little damaging because some people hear return to work and it's like I never stopped. Even when I was at home with my kids, still yeah. getting my job done. Or some people, like our facilities workers or our dining staff, shout out to them at all of our yeah. college campuses, not just at UT, but everywhere. They kept working. They kept feeding people. They kept fixing buildings. They kept cleaning um, offices and making sure that the campus was in great shape throughout this whole ordeal. And so with the language that we're using around return to work, what are your thoughts around that? And, and as Dr. Surratt said, instead of saying return to work, saying pandemic recovery work plan or pandemic recovery work schedule, what do you think about shifting that language? Uh, I very much enjoy that because I do think like when you're saying return to work, I think you put the essence on like what the old normal was of mm-hmm. like you went, you're on four walls you're in person, you're looking at the computer or whatever you do kind of thing. And I was just like, but that's not really work. Like my office is not work. Like the things that I do in that office is work. And I have been doing that Okay. kind of thing. So it's like the grind never stopped. It's just, I had to, uh, I was about to say pivot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I just had to change my location. Right. And I had to figure out and readjust how I was going to get the same amount of work done mm-hmm. um, just at home, honestly. So I think post-pandemic recovery plan is great, but I think almost it's, I don't, I'm, I don't think we'll ever forget about the pandemic, but I'm just like, I don't even think that wording is encompassing about what's about to happen, right? Mm-hmm. As we go back to our offices or go back to campus kind of thing. I think it's like, I don't even know what words I'd be like, change adjustment. Um, sure. Recovery is a good word, but like, I hope it doesn't go back to what it used to be kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So I don't want it to be a temporary thing that it's just like, Oh, after the pandemic, we just recovered. And then eventually we got back to normal. Um, so that's how I feel. Yeah. I, and I appreciate you sharing that perspective because I think that it's important for everybody that's listening to be conscious and mindful of those words, because uh, if we're not careful, like I said, that that can um, that can really stress some people out and make them feel a type of way. Because um, yeah. like as, as we said, some people literally were still in the offices. Some people risked uh, significantly to ensure that church services were still happening and that, um, you know, facilities and buildings on college campuses were still running. Uh, the food service industry, yo, I mean, oh my gosh, the food service industry, you know, took a major hit, you know, and I think about even during the, the ice storm this past year in Texas, you know, where Domino's yeah. was still on top of this pandemic, Domino's was still out there delivering and making pizzas in certain areas. And, just to, just to see the treatment that some of these people are getting these days, especially with um, we didn't even talk about this, but when people, you know, people's uh, unemployment benefits and all that different stuff and all that that's coming with the language that's being used around it as if people are lazy or something like that. And it's like, 
that that's not true and that's not helpful in this recovery effort. I like the recovery effort because that's what we're doing. We are recovering. I love the fact that our leadership under Dr. Tyus, uh, when she was on, I don't know if she said, I don't remember if she said this on the show, but one of the things that she said was, you know, we're going to survive this year. And so she set the expectation that, look, we're going to do everything we can to provide a five-star experience to our students uh, and the and the campus community. Now, what we're not going to do is we're not if something doesn't work, we're going to do assessment. We're going to look and see what we what lessons we learned and we're going to keep it moving. We're going to survive. Then after survival, we're going to recover and then we're going to go. We're going to see what it's going to look like to, you know, do this recovery effort. And I love the fact that our senior leadership is thinking that way. And so my hope is that other leaders and other managers uh, out there and supervisors out there are thinking the same thing because um, all of us are are, are impacted by it. And so really looking forward to seeing what comes from that. Let's shift gears real quick and talk about what happens in orient, not orientation. Well, yeah, what's what happens every summer on college campuses and it's called new student orientation. Some schools are going back to in-person. Some schools are doing it modified. They're going to have a hybrid, uh, virtual, and in-person experience. We are one of those schools. We're going to have a one-day overnight experience for our students, and that kicks off on Monday. I'm excited, and I'm nervous at the same time because (laughs) because I'm like, yay, people are coming back. There's going to be life on campus because, as you can imagine, college campuses during the summer – uh, aren't the same lively places that they are during the school year, but during a pandemic, it, it's even less. And so I'm looking forward to seeing some yeah. smiling faces. And at the same time, I'm also nervous because it's like, okay, it's been a while. What is this going to look like? Do I have the rust yeah. on me? Uh, how do I shake this off and get involved? And so what what are you thinking about, you know, when you think about orientation and oh, hit my microphone, when you think about orientation for yourself, um, what that looked like for you and, you know, what that looks like now coming out of or still doing life with rather um the COVID virus. What, do you, what are your thoughts yeah. on, you know, orientation planning and what should students be thinking about as they return to campuses for for the first time? I think, oh my gosh, it's like such an exciting time. Like I've experienced orientation specifically at UT. And I mean, there's a, like, like you said, this campus is big. And then you realize how many people come to UT, especially during orientation. And it's just, like you said, it's very lively. It's very exciting. You can just see the light inside of their eyes. Um, But then I have this like moment of hesitation, right? Because like, unfortunately, this pandemic is not over. Like we're still very much living in it as much as themes are decreasing, which is lovely. um, I still think there's a sense of like safety for me personally. Like Mm -hmm. how do, how how do we keep our new students safe? Like we want to give them this like high level experience, this five-star experience, but there's also this theme that like creeps up right, literally right behind it. It's like, how do we also keep them safe? Like I'm not trying to put people in danger or make them sick or anything like that. So it's like, I I have these like conflicting feelings because I was like, I want people to go back to normal or have the same experience that years before had and stuff like that. So they can talk about it. But it's like, and we're not talking politics, but it's just like, there's so many different viewpoints and perspectives of like what that looks like. Do we enforce this rule so that we are keeping people safe at the highest 
level of safety or do we make people let people make their own personal decisions um to live their best lives and mm-hmm. so uh, like i'm just i'm conflicted right like again like i said before i very much trust leadership kind of thing i will always voice my opinions as part of the conversation mm-hmm. but i will also have my own personal thoughts and how i'm personally going to protect myself and then and that's how we'll do it kind of thing. So I'm excited for what orientation is going to look like. I'm excited to see all the students back on campus and stuff like that. Um, I would also just say, like, take into consideration that you have to have a personal talk with yourself yes. about the reality of what's happening in the world. I love that. I love the fact that you talked about let, letting people make the personal decision for themselves. And I think that that's what ultimately the option that our people are getting here at UT. I mm-hmm. think that our students are in the position to where they can decide, you know what, I'm coming back to school. I'm coming to campus in August. I'm good for the summer. Um, don't get me wrong. There's something to be said about that in-person in- orientation experience. I loved it. I lived yes. it. Um you know, at every school I've worked at, um, I've tried to find something that I can be involved with in new student orientation because it's such a signature part of, right. you know, students creating that sense of belonging on their college campuses. And so, you right. know, when I was at Clemson, you know, I, I got to do presentations to parents and families and students a couple times a week. I loved it. And, and I got to do advising sessions and all that good stuff. And I met a lot of great students. Uh, most of my Clemson students all graduated because I got there in 16. And so most of them all graduated now. So that class is gone. But, you know, looking at the orientation experience and just ta- and just thinking through, man, you know, th- this is going to be an exciting time. They're going to get their schedules. They're going to learn how to navigate the campus. They're going to learn how to be successful here. And they're going to be making these life-changing decisions, what they're going to major in and all that different stuff. But they're also going to explore who they are and find those things out. And so my encouragement to everybody, regardless of um, whether you go to UT or not, if you're listening to this episode and you're a college student and you're going to be and you're going to be a freshman, Wherever you choose to go, the thing that I would encourage you to think about is um, finding your fit. That can be in your student organization. That can be in your residence hall. That can be in the community, whether it be at a church or at a mosque or um, in a community of people that, you know, identify to the world the way that you do. However you choose to define community for yourself, as Etanosa said, I would encourage you to go and seek those opportunities during orientation. Figure out what's in, what's going to be available mm-hmm. to me in the community around me. What's going to be um, how I want to define my experience or these next four to five to six years of your life? How am I going to define that? And find those people who are going to help you do that. Identify those resources, whether it be your learning center, whether it be a faculty or staff member, whether it be um, someone uh, in the community and in the city. Because, again, the earlier you make that connection, the more likely you are to not only persist, uh, but you'll also be able to you know, do very well in, and, and identify and feel like you belong in that place. I love that about UT. I've loved that about the the various institutions that I've had the pleasure uh, of working for. But I know that coming out of a pandemic where high school, junior and senior year for a lot of our students was significantly impacted because of COVID. um, Some people didn't even get a chance to go on campus tours. So orientation is going to be the first time a lot of students 
get to see the college. Then there's those students that were here for a brief amount of time, but they, you know, they they're not while they're not going to orientation, they're coming back. They're coming back to the university in the fall, but they've never actually been here before, or they've been here, but it was re- reduced. The time was reduced. Then there's those students that never stepped foot here, but they're students here. So we got two right. and a half classes of people coming in the fall. What are you all doing, you know, to, or what are you doing professionally and personally to prepare for that? Right. Like, I really am praying. Like, I think, again, like I said, I, I'm pretty go with the flow kind of thing. I'm going to meet students where they are kind of thing. I'm going to make sure that I'm leaning in. That's what I wanted to say. I think the biggest thing that people can try their best to do coming back on campus is lean in, like lean into those organizations, lean into what you're comfortable with as far as uh, protecting yourself and stuff like that. And lean into just like the university kind of thing. I think UT specifically does a great job of trying to build camaraderie over being a longhorn kind of thing. And there's so many things on campus that it's just like, you can do it. You could, you could explore it all. Actually, I don't think you can. Like, there's just so many things. And I think yes. for me personally, professionally, it's like, how do I get my face? How do I get my presence in front of some of these students kind of thing? Is it through training and development things? Mm-hmm. Is it being a mentor here or being a part of an organization that allows me to just have that connection uh, with students kind of thing out here at the apartments? Maybe it's just like, again, like maybe it's just sitting in my office for three hours a day kind of thing, or just like walking around, or instead of making that like what I would normally just be like a Zoom meeting, I can be like, oh, like I can meet you here and just having those like interactions in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a familial face to them kind of thing and be like, oh, like she's not just at the cribbo working on a computer and just sending me emails. Like this is a real person who really wants to help me, who really has like this job to help enhance my student experience. And stuff like that. So that's, I think, what I'm going to do prior and just trying to figure out and decipher um, when maybe just an in-person conversation is a little bit better or it, me going the extra mile to connect with some of our students. So that's what I'm going to What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm going to pray too. So that, that's number one. <laughs> and also I'm going to um, really spend the next couple of months trying to figure out where the gaps are in my preparation efforts, because um, there's always a chink in the armor that you got to be able to identify. And so for me, I'm going to be trying to figure out what are the things that our students are going to need. So that means I'm going to be talking to a lot of students over the summer. When I see students on campus during orientation, I'm going to be asking, what's going to get you out of your residence hall when you get here in the fall? What are some things that you want to participate in? Um, Because I have a perspective pre-pandemic of what students' expectations were. I have a perspective of student expectations for engagement during COVID, which, you know, we I think I would say at UT we did a fairly good job uh, of engaging our students in creative and, and meaningful ways. Now I've got to figure out. There's a group that's never been here before. How do I meet their needs? Because COVID has been their reality or life with COVID rather has been their reality for the better part of over a year. And so how do I create an engaging experience that lets them know, hey, not only am I going to keep you safe, but this is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting, but it's also something that you actually asked for and want to participate in, not something that 
yeah. Dr. Jones and friends created uh, in his office over the summer with no student input or feedback. I don't work like that. So for me, I'm I'm very dependent. You know, this podcast exists because students said that it would be cool if we did it. Uh, this podcast exists because my supervisor was like, hey, we should take the the content, the learning, the discussions to students and they can access it at their own pace and at their own speed and when they want to. That's why this show exists. And so we're going to continue figuring out ways to get this show out there to folks so that they can, you know, we're going to get on YouTube at some point. You know, we, we're going to continue to be on Spotify and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and all that. But we want to get on YouTube next because that's where the students are. My kids are on YouTube all day, every day. Yeah. And so this generation of students coming to college, same <laughs> deal. How do we meet their needs and in ways that are responsive and not reactive? Because I don't want it to be after the fact that we make adjustments. Right. I want it to be like that one students to feel like, oh, they thought about me. Oh, they thought about the fact that this is how we do college. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be praying like you, but yeah. it's also going to be getting some student feedback and then putting together a an agenda, a learning agenda that excites students and, and gets them to a space where they actually want to be involved. That That is definitely what I'm going to be doing, uh, getting ready for all the cool stuff that's happening. So, yeah, this is going to be love to hear it. We definitely yeah, love to hear it. Yep, this is going to be fun. And I'm really excited about the fact that you're going to be a part of that. Whoop, 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 whoop. Me too. Me too. Well, but listen, folks. Summer is here. It's here. And we're excited. <laughs> Very. And we hope you all are getting excited. So to all of our students, our faculty and staff and everybody, wherever you are, whether you're at the University of Texas at Austin or anywhere else in the world, you could have been doing anything else. But we thank you for listening to the Leadership Innovation Ventures and Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Jones. And I'm your co-host, Atenesa Obeboin. And we look forward to seeing you all on the next episode. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To catch the next installment, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. This podcast was recorded and edited in collaboration with the LAITS Development Studios Audio Department. More information can be found at liberalarts.utexas.edu slash LAITS. The intro song was composed by Ian Herrera, and you can find his work at ianherrera.com. The outro song was composed by Noah Keller, and you can find more of his work at noahdkeller.com. We'll see you next time.